you a good witch or a bad Hello and welcome to Witch Bitches Review. I'm the culturally insensitive chef who hates women's magazines, Tyler Carson Evans. And I'm your warlock ex-boyfriend who just called you a bitch, Siren Rex Neenan. This is the podcast where we watch and review a myriad of media based on or surrounding witchcraft, beginning with the original Charmed series. What are we talking about today, Tyler? Today we are discussing Charmed Season 1, Episode 1, Something Wicca, This Way Comes. Uh, This episode originally aired on October 7th, 1998. This episode was written by show creator Constance M. Burge and directed by John T. Kretschmer and an uncredited Bruce Seth Green, both of whom directed several episodes of another WB drama, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So pretty much every episode of Charmed has a pun in its title. This one comes from a line dating all the way back to Shakespeare's play Macbeth, where one of the witches said, by the pricking of my thumb, something wicked this way comes. Charmed changed the wicked to Wicca in one of their um, numerous instances of misusing the word Wicca, beginning with their very first episode. Wow, congratulations on that, Charmed. According to IMDb, this episode was rated 8.4 out of 10, and this is the one where, quote unquote, three sisters reunite after the death of their beloved grandmother and learn they have inherited much more than the family manor. Um, And it's also known as the one with the extra 90s hair and random triquetras everywhere. What what is with the triquetras on literally everything in this episode? I don't like I don't really know, but I kind of love it. I, I, I think they're cute. I have one, like, tattooed on my arm, so they're kind of everywhere. I fully understand, too. like, the iconicness of it, but the reason that I, feel, that I feel it's so iconic is because of the Book of Shadows having one on the front, right? And it doesn't make sense in the story for them to be everywhere. It, it really doesn't make sense for, like, the cat's collar <laughs> to have one before they, like, get the cat. It doesn't make a lot no. of sense at all. <laughs> no, not at all. I do I do find it really interesting that this episode shares directors with Buffy. Um, I tried to figure out if there was just, like, a staff of directors at the WB that directed everything, but I couldn't, uh, I couldn't find much. But I think we're going to see a lot more overlap going forward. Well, and I think that's true because I there is a lot of overlap between Charmed and Buffy, especially in terms of actors. But um, it could also be because it's the pilot episode. And so, um, you know, this is what they were, like, presenting to see if they could go to series. So they weren't, like, hiring their full-time staff yet. So in that sense, I think it probably makes sense that they borrowed some from the same network's already successful Supernatural program. True. Gotcha. That makes sense. So how does this episode start, Siren? Um, Well, I have taken notes about that, so I'm really glad that you ask. Basically, this episode begins with witchcraft followed immediately by death. Um, and no, and I think that is relevant. I, um, I do want to preface all of this before I get into witchcraft followed by death. Like I just said, we're talking about a pilot episode here, and there are some special things that we can examine when discussing a pilot episode. So they're making the episode, they are trying to get it to go to series, which means they're trying to pack 
into this episode, one, an independent story with a beginning and an ending, but also all the major themes that they want to display in the show at the same time. You know, so it's the beginning of the action, but it's also a microcosm for the entire theme, what is charmed. Okay, and so in that case, what is the first thing that they want to grab the viewer's attention with is very important for what they're trying to say about the whole show. Right, yeah, that makes sense. So what do we have? We have witchcraft followed by death. (laughs) What a way to phrase it. You know, there's a a pretty blonde woman alone in an, an apartment who quickly gets murdered. It's basically a horror trope. What is she what is she chanting though? Were you able to make like what is she talking about? <laughs> it seemed like it was probably something kind of loosely based on like um some older like Wiccan writings. It sort of was reminiscent, I guess, of the works of Doreen Valiente, but it seemed like it had all been changed probably just to avoid, like, a copyright issue. Um, but it seemed like she was, like, invoking the god of the sun, basically. Yeah, she talks, she says something about protection when she's doing her little, it didn't work. Yeah. No. (laughs) (laughs) No, it totally didn't work. (laughs) but do you know what though like okay other than the fact that she's like lighting candles with her fingers which is one a really useless power in the charmed universe and two a really super awesome power that i wish i had omg same so other than the fact that she's like doing that um this witch in her like two minutes of screen time was just markedly more legit than the charmed ones. <laughs> I'm sorry. She just won. One of the first and only times we will ever see a witch doing an actual ritual in charmed because, okay, she was like, she actually had her altar game going on. She was in like, like a special outfit and she was like humming and chanting and like doing like ceremonial magic hand motions. Like she was putting the effort in. Okay. Which is just, I'm sorry, not something the Charmed Ones are known for. I'm sorry. You're right. They're totally not. But I want to talk about the cat. Oh, yeah. It's- talk about the cat. The cat's the best part, obviously. Well, we see we see her feeding a cat before her ritual starts. And then we see that cat throughout the entire episode. And So I, I think I took a note about the cat. And I think it's really funny. Um, I never really picked up on it before, but basically that cat's job was just to meow judgmentally at everything that happened. Oh my God, LOL. Like, like there's a scene and some stuff happens, some kind of action happens, and then it's just cut to the cat. The cat was watching the whole thing. The cat meows judgmentally. Let's move on. That happened like four times, maybe five. And I feel like every cat owner will just really resonate with that, is that no matter what you're doing, your cat is watching you judgmentally from afar. Yeah, it happened at every turn. We saw that cat just like giving some side eye. <laughs> well, after after we get that lovely shot of witchcraft followed by death and the cute little kitty, we we cut to the Hallowell Manor and um, Piper is coming in from the rain. Apparently, she is late, uh, as as Prue points out to us. Prue is working on the the chandelier, and my note just says hair, 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 hair. Because <laughs> 90s hair everywhere. Oh, the hair, the 90s hair, they look amazing. They look great. Uh, I'm obsessed with it. I kind of want Piper's bangs, but I know I would look like just a super gay Zoe Deschanel. Um, I think that's okay. I think so too. 
I think I mean the charmed ones definitely rock like the best parts of nineties fashion as opposed to all of the other parts. I feel like it's the best and worst. Um did you notice though that that original shot of quote unquote Piper walking through the front door is not actually Piper? No, what? It, it's not. Um and I, I confirmed this. I looked this up after I noticed it. Um so the woman that you see Outside the house, walking through the door, has a different umbrella and a different outfit on than when <laughs> Piper walks through the front door. And it's because it's actually a shot of Alyssa Milano that they ended up not using for her entrance. Oh, so my they, God. You literally so have they... Alyssa Milano with a different umbrella and a different outfit walking into the manor. And then um, Holly Marie Combs <laughs> is on his. She's suddenly Piper when she goes through the door. Oh, my God. <laughs> Well, that that tidbit aside, um, I did not notice that at all. Charmed does some very strange editing things sometimes. Sometimes. Oh, God. Yeah. The next episode. I mean, no reason for it to be cut like that. Um, <laughs> Piper has some flowers from and in uh, a package from her boyfriend, Jeremy, the reporter. Um, and it is a, some roses and a bottle of port for her audition recipe. Um, and then through this scene where she's just like sort of making the daily small talk with Prue, um, she notices the spirit board on the table. And here's something that I want to talk about. Spirit board versus Ouija board. Is that just like a dialect difference or what are your thoughts about that? Because I had never thought about it before. Well, so I've actually been researching Ouija boards for another project um, quite recently Charmed is the only instance where I've ever heard it called a spirit board. Um, And I think that they wanted to use it in the show without the negative cultural connotation of Ouija board. Because before it was patented as the Ouija board, it was called a talking board. I don't know of any other point where, like, at least before Charmed, that it was called a spirit board. Um, So I'm I'm not 100% on this, but I'm pretty sure they made that up. Not that I don't like it. I mean, it certainly makes more sense than Ouija board because Ouija or Ouija or however you want to say it, it doesn't matter because it's not a real word. Um, they named they they the patent holders of the Ouija board <laughs> let the board name itself. OK, they they literally did like a session and asked the Ouija board what its name was. And that was what it spelled out. Wow. That's the story behind that. I name. never knew that. That's fascinating. It's, it's not some like. French and German hybrid word. It's just, it's just made up. The, the Ouija board told us that was its name, which we should respect, by the way, when someone tells you that that's their name, you should respect that. You know, how, how do we know that it was the name of the board and not just the spirit coming through? Oh, who knows? Who absolutely knows, you know? <laughs> you know, anyway, they read the inscription on the back. I'm going to insert an audio clip of that right here, of Piper reading the, the inscription. To my three beautiful girls, may this give you the light to find the shadows. The power of three will set you free. Love, Mom. They they have, like, a little bit more discussion, and they talk about Phoebe, um, and Prue says that Phoebe has no sense of the future. Hmm. Could that be foreshadowing, I wonder? Uh, oh, my gosh. That's so clever. It's kind of clever, but I it is kind of clever, but also very cheesy. They so they just like Prue is just like laying Phoebe out, like she, she is, is just she talking is smack so much whole shade. time. 
She's like, oh, you mentioned Phoebe again? Well, I would like to talk shit about her some more. I mean, relatable content. That's how my siblings talk about me. <laughs> then oh, the, well, I mean, they yeah. sort of leave the room, and the pointer moves on its own, and then we get the opening credits. By the way, this song, How Soon Is Now by the Smiths, was used in The Craft, another witchcraft-related piece of media. And I think that's kind of where they got it from. Um, but it's actually not the Smiths who recorded this version. It was originally by the Smiths. Um, but this song has been redone several times. Um, it was Love Spit Love. And they did this cover and I think literally nothing else ever. Um, but yeah, this version, it was used in the craft. And I, I feel like that is kind of why they chose it for Charmed. I'm, I don't, you know, I think I have zero evidence. I'm just... 100%. 100%. That is exactly why they used it, because it was in the craft. Okay, so after the credits, you have the cops in the rain investigating the murder crime scene, whatever. And so that's Andy and his partner, Daryl. Um, there's one thing I do want to say here. Throughout the entire show of Charmed, um, the cops just have, like, this magical ability to detect corpses. <laughs> and they just, like, show up where people have been murdered, even though there's no way for them to know about it at all. And it's just, like, never explained. You're right. It's not. It's really not. Okay, so, like, the, the woman in the intro just got killed. And the only person that we know she has a relationship with is her boyfriend, who mm, may or may not have killed her. And, but the cops just know completely. So they show up and Andy is like a witch expert. He just knows everything about witchcraft. And Daryl's like, you're crazy, brah. And I know that there's all this witchcraft stuff involved in this case, but I don't believe in it. And so it is not relevant. So that is the expert police work that we are seeing. Yeah, they... Andy has this really nice line where he asks Daryl if he believes in UFOs. And Daryl is like, no, I don't believe in UFOs. That's crazy talk. That's mumbo jumbo. And Andy's like, well, do you believe that there are people who believe there are UFOs? And makes this really nice point. Um, I, that was a good point, though. And I still do appreciate that part. Because there are people out there who want to be all like, witchcraft isn't real. And that's just a fundamentally ignorant thing to say because witchcraft is a practice and people are practicing it. You can believe that witchcraft doesn't do anything. That would be a little harder for me to argue with you. But to just say it's not real makes you look stupid, Daryl. I want to talk about the way that Andy says Sabbath when we get there because it's... Sabbat. Sabbat. Um, cause it's just not, I mean, it's part of the same, they don't go anywhere. Right. So I guess we can still talk about it. Um, he's just, it's like buzzword, buzzword, buzzword when they're talking to each other. Yes. Oh, for real. He is Wikipedia. Yeah. Okay. It's like he put in a quick Google search and was like, he like, he like rolled up his little <laughs> sleeves and like put his pencil behind his ear and like tapped on the keyboard and was like, <laughs> witches and just like read one article and that was it. You know, there, okay, so his UFO line was pretty good, but there's this other line he has, and it's just like so stupid. <laughs> He's like, Was she found near an altar? Yeah, were there carvings on that altar? What the fuck? <laughs> I know, I wanted to say the same thing, like, because like all witches are also woodworkers. I mean, I guess that one from Brave, but like. <laughs> 
That's the only one that I know. L- listen, okay, my personal altar I got from Ashley Furniture, and I am not about to start cutting on it haphazardly. Okay. My altar is a cedar chest that I inherited from my grandma, and I keep all my witchy stuff on the inside, which is not the best because then I don't use any of my ritual tools. They just sit in this box. But yeah, I don't have carvings on my altar. Some like stains from where I've spilled coffee, but not. <laughs> well, that's yeah, that's a whole temperate thing. It was just the way he asked it. He was like, "Were there carvings on that altar?" <laughs> carvings like, of he what? Just, like used his like his final point to be like carvings, Daryl. There were carvings. This is witchcraft, obviously. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, I just I don't even know. And also, I didn't see no. Any I saw some very altar. very beautiful either. I feel like. She had an altar cloth. She had some very beautiful tools, though. Very beautiful tools. Um, The next scene, we go back to the manor. Prue is still trying to fix the chandelier. And Piper drops his bombshell that Phoebe is coming home. And then there's a lot of tension. Um, And then they have this not-so-touching reunion. And Prue is giving some, like, major tood. And then Phoebe spills the Roger tea, which I kind of live for. Um, but my biggest concern, my biggest concern with this scene is that Phoebe took a bus from New York to San Francisco. Yeah. Is that, is that a thing that happens? I think so. At least it definitely used to be, but it would be so much faster It was the 90s. People rode buses in the 90s, right? I mean, I ride a bus, but I live in Chicago, and so, like, that's just how we get around. But I would not be taking a charter bus, like, across the country. It was 1998. Flights were, like, $5. Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I mean, we're led to believe that she's, like, broke and stuff. Which, really, I mean, it's unclear how she's not, like, always broke until season four. I don't really understand that. At all. She should literally always be broke, but she's not. We see her doing, like odd jobs every once in a while like she helps out piper at the right i know but like she can't like keep you know a single bit of employment longer than i would say about 45 to 50 minutes so i just (laughs) i don't know how she has money for anything but apparently she had enough money to put her bicycle on a bus from new york to san francisco Later that night, Piper brings Phoebe some food and uh, Prue brings in some extra blankets. And we get this like little bit of backstory about the sisters where Prue was sort of the more responsible figure um, and sort of acted in a motherly capacity to to her younger sisters, which leads us obviously to believe that their mother is gone. Um, So this scene really establishes the 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 older, middle and younger sister tropes that like they maybe a little bit over rely on, um, especially in the beginning, but like the, you know, the uptight, hardcore, protective older sister, the confused, what's my identity mediator, middle sister, and the, you know, young, reckless, carefree, younger sister. Like those are all tropes. I feel like they're all kind of the Brady bunch, and uh, they definitely rely on that for character building for quite some time. Yeah. So after that little tidbit that just gives us some sisterly, you know, banter, we go back to the crime scene. And I think we're meant to believe that this is all happening, happening like simultaneously um, or at the very least in the same night. 
Um, and we talked about the triquetra thing already. I had notes about that because why does this random woman have a triquetra tattooed on her? Um, if it's meant to be in this universe, the charmed one symbol, why is it on everything? Yeah. Um, well, so, I mean, I think, so some of that, again, can sort of be excused for the whole pilot episode thing. Um, the triquetra belonging to just them didn't really get solidified for a while. You know, so I guess you could say that they were just like, oh, this is the symbol of witchcraft in general in our show. Because if we show a pentagram, everyone will think it's devil worship. So. Oh, that's a good point. I guess I didn't really think about that. They mentioned, you know, pe- they mentioned pentagrams, though. When yeah, but you don't get to see one. True. True, true, true. My next, my next thing was the Sabbat thing, which we talked about earlier. But the next Sabbath isn't for another 24 days from when this episode aired. So what the fuck is this bitch celebrating? Oh, yeah. What is she celebrating? It's not... I don't know. I mean, I mean, not that she needs an excuse to have a ritual. No, absolutely not. Like but, but, but I mean, okay. So we're told, we're told, um, that she's celebrating a Sabbat, not by the witch herself, but by Andy, who just got his online degree from wikipedia.com. So, you know, he doesn't quite have all his facts straight. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Cause I mean, I guess she could have been celebrating early, but I mean, that didn't look like any anything to me really she probably just wanted to like light some candles with her fingers and feel good about herself and now she's got these this like white man trying to explain it to everyone it's just patriarchy you know the patriarchy subtle buffering reference okay so cut back to the manor again and phoebe and piper are just hanging out playing with the spirit board just like ouija and chill Basically, I just, I don't know. I think that's so crazy because of the way that everyone's about to react to witchcraft. Like, they're about to be like, oh my God, we're witches now. This is insane. And yet, like, just a couple hours earlier, they're casually playing with a Ouija board. Like, I don't know, guys. Is it really that surprising? Um, so I kind of wonder if, if, if you ever noticed what, what I'm about to talk about now. Because I noticed this a long time ago. And I wonder if it's coincidental or done on purpose. I'll probably never know. So they say that they're asking the Ouija board if Prue will have sex with someone other than herself this year. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then the pointer starts moving on its own. And it spells out attic, as we know, which leads into the next scene. But it kind of moves a little slowly at first. So before you realize it's going to spell attic, it spells A. T, which is Andy Trudeau's initials. Oh! And Prue is literally about to have sex with him at the beginning of the next episode. Oh my god, I never... Uh, right? Oh my god. Right? Oh my god. No, I never I never thought about that. I've never noticed that before. But now my, my brain is like fucking leaking out of my ears. <laughs> like my mind blown. Mind blown. Oh my god. Um, so this whole crazy shebang where the pointer spells out attic on its own and they all freak out, um, leads us into the next scene. As you said, um, Phoebe goes up to the attic, but it's locked and the power is out. So to make matters spookier, the door opens by itself and Phoebe searches in the attic and finds the book of shadows in this trunk with another triquetra on the front, but this time it actually does make sense. Um, 
And she opens up the book to the first page. Um, and the page has this incantation on it, um, which is called the uh, Dominus Trinus, which is supposed to translate into master triple or master three. And when you translate those two words from Latin separately, that is what it says. But if you translate both of those words together in Google Translate, it just says the trip. The trip. <laughs> so maybe the entirety of this show is just Phoebe being really high. Who knows? Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it probably wasn't meant to be. No, it, it definitely. I don't know. Like how many witches try to use Latin without understanding Latin? You know, I roughly, because I'm familiar with Spanish, can understand some of Latin. Um, I'm not fluent in Spanish by any means, but I can sort of differentiate. And that also comes from my knowledge of music because music uses a lot of Latin terms. The incantation that she's about to read, um, the beginning stanza is from The Witch's Creed by Doreen Valiente. And there are lots of different versions of this now, but that hear now the words of the witches, the secrets we hid in the night, that is directly from... From Doreen. Doreen. From Doreen. That tracks. Um, and it... Actually, if it's okay with you, I would like to read a little bit of the actual Witch's Creed. Yeah, do it. No, it's pretty. Do it. Hear now the words of the witches, the secrets we hid in the night. When dark was our destiny's pathway, we now bring forth into light. Mysterious water and fire, the earth and the wide-ranging air. By hidden quintessence we know them, and will and keep silent and dare. The birth and rebirth of all nature, the passing of winter and spring, we share in the life universal, rejoice in the magical ring. I think it's fairly accurate from an eclectic practitioner standpoint that they have used this for their own thing that tracks. Cause I mean, that's what eclectic witches yeah, do. Yeah, of course. I mean, not to cut you off, um, but I, I actually have edited um, a lot of Doreen Valiente's works to be more suited to me because I think that she is an amazing writer and I think that her poetry is beautiful but some of the particular lines and words just really don't drive with me so I have changed them before putting them in my own book of shadows so yeah in the show Phoebe says hear now the words of the witches the secrets we hid in the night the oldest of gods are invoked here the great work of magic is sought that's what they say right and at exactly what point did the Charmed Ones literally ever call upon a god? Um, never. Never. <laughs> never. Exactly. They don't, they don't define that. Which I think is interesting, especially as somebody who identifies with Wicca as a religion. That's sort of the closest thing to what I believe in practice. Sort of the whole point is that there are duotheistic figures, right? That there's a, a god and the goddess. So it's interesting that they use Wicca as a term here. To, I think it's, it's really just to soften the witchcraft blow, you know? I don't know. I honestly can't explain to you why shows that have nothing to do with Wicca insist on using the word Wicca when they mean fantasy witchcraft. I, d I don't know. I can't justify it. It happens all the time, and it really bugs me. I really do feel like because at the time saying just witch and witchcraft was a little too radical... And they felt the need to soften it for more conservative audiences. Even, I mean, even if you, like, don't care for Wicca, as I'm sure some of our listeners will not, that doesn't mean that it should be misrepresented the way that it is, you know? Exactly. And most most of what is represented when they're using the Fantasy. word Wicca is just 
witchcraft. Yeah, not it's, even it's like fantasy witchcraft. Yeah, real witchcraft. And I just so I'm also you know I just finished watching Buffy again, and Willow calls herself a Wicca constantly, not even a Wiccan, a Wicca. She is the whole religion of Wicca, not just a practitioner of it. And just like every time, I'm just like, first of all, grammatically incorrect, Willow. You're supposed to be smart. And second of all, you're not a Wiccan. Willow is not a Wiccan. Not at no. all. No. At all. But neither are the charmed Neither are the charmed ones. No. Um, so Piper and Prue come upstairs and realize what Phoebe has done. And Phoebe tells them about the three essentials of magic, which is like kind of right but not at the same yes. time um and i feel as though i thought the exact same thing that's something that this show does a lot where it's kind of, kind right, of right but also not kind yeah, of right exactly. but also not um feeling timing in the phases of the moon and i think that all, that all just depends on your style of yeah practice, well i think that you know? i mean i think feeling for a lot of people is an essential of magic but i won't even go as far yeah. as to say that that's universal i won't um, the phases of the moon matter to Wiccans and, um, timing matters to people who have way more patience than I do. I have never really bought into magical timing and we've talked about that personally before, but the only thing that I even bother with as far as magical timing is the phases of the moon. And the only thing that that, that does is tell me whether I'm drawing forth or getting rid of something. That's it. It's the only thing that I use it for. And see, I don't even really pay attention to that. I think the full moon is a lovely reason to have a celebration. I also think you don't need to have a reason to have a celebration. I think stuff like planetary hours and the mystical meaning of the days of the week is cool if it inspires you. But if it makes you feel like, oh, I really want to do this spell today, but rats, it's not Thursday, so I better wait till next week. That's weird. Yeah. Agreed. Hard agree. If I need something bad enough, I'm going to do it now. Piper and Prue go upstairs and they find Phoebe with the Book of Shadows and they're like, bitch, what the fuck have you done? Prue grabs the Book of Shadows out of Phoebe's hand and she says, it's a book of witchcraft. And she seems like so mad and offended about it. And I just find that super unrelatable. Completely unrelatable. I don't know a single person, and that's mostly because I only hang out with witches and queers, but I don't know a single person who would be upset about finding a book of witchcraft in the attic. I just find her reaction just completely, just completely unbelievable. Yeah. If I ever found a book like that in my apartment or my house, I'd be like, fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Let's write in this thing. I know. And wouldn't... Like, if I were Prue, I'd be like, okay, yeah, let's fucking hex Rod. Oh, my God, you know? right? Oh, she right. hasn't quit her job yet, though. Well, yeah, but we still hate him. We still hate him. I know, we haven't even met Roger yet, but we, we still hate him. him. We do That's all absolutely I'm saying. hate him. Mm-hmm. Oh, can I cut back a bit, though? Because there's something previous that I wanted to bring up that, that I didn't get to. So, when the power goes out... Prue is like, let's go to the basement and check the circuit breaker box because in this episode, I am a handyman, house technician, and I can fix literally anything in these fucking heels. And so she and Piper are like, Phoebe, let's go down to the basement. And Phoebe's like, nope, I'm going to the attic. Now, we'll learn later that Phoebe has a fear of the the basement. And so I just sort of feel like 
that scene, maybe even without intending to, kind of reference to that future point, kind of foreshadowed that, I guess. When she says, nope, I'm not going in the basement, I'm going in the attic. It will be relevant to an episode later in the season. Very astute, I am so smart. Oh my god. Okay. So anyway, so Phoebe casts her spell... And she goes back downstairs and Piper's freaking out, which is sort of her just defining character trait at this point. And they act, they say nothing's changed, nothing's different, but the picture of them has changed. They've all gone closer together in photograph. Uh, We've gone through the house and then we get this shot outside that the killer, we assume, is outside of their house, and then that's the end of the scene. And isn't he wearing just, like, the spookiest little raincoat? And ooky, spooky, raincoated boots. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Because that's yes. how killers dress, you know. That's how you can spot a killer, is by their spooky raincoat. Maybe he was just really worried about his hair that day. Well, I don't know why, because underneath the hood, it's not that, you know, It's not that, interesting. It's not that great. No, it's not acceptable. No, not really. So, okay, so it's the next morning... And Piper walks outside to talk to Phoebe. Phoebe's drinking coffee. She says something about how she's been up all night, which is another thing that they do all the time. The Charmed Ones do not sleep. They have evolved beyond the need for sleep. And it begins right here. And then Piper makes this horrible joke about brooms and... What the hell did she say? Something like, don't tell me you were up all night flying around the neighborhood on a broomstick. Yeah, wearing a conical hat and a broomstick. Phoebe very pointedly is like, the only broom I've ever owned was kept in a closet next to a mop. That's true for me, but I want a magical broom. Do you have a besom? Do you have one? I have several. You have several? (laughs) Yeah. Um, well, I, you know, I had a hand fasting, um, and we made one just for it Oh. so that we could jump over it and it hangs over our front door now. That is beautiful. I love that. Yeah. I want one. I don't have one, but maybe, maybe if my partner and I take that step soon, that might be something that we do. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's super, you totally, it's, it's fun. The jumping over the broom thing is fun. Recommend it to anyone. And then, you know, you get to keep it forever. Yes. So we get through... This kind of filler scene where Phoebe is like, this is what our ancestors did, blah, blah, blah. And we go to the museum where Prue encounters rampant sexism in the workplace. I think she handles herself very well. We get, we we tell that she's angry and then we are confirmed that something fishy happened because of this exploding pen gag that we have. So I think the whole thing that happens with Prue at work where like her boss, who's also her ex-boyfriend, is a dick and she is just like a raging bitch right to his face. Um, Okay, so almost every scene of Prue at work in this entire show is just kind of this feminist employment fantasy that we enjoy every time. I'm sorry, we do. Um, I think most women... And people in general probably wish that they could walk into work and act like Prue does when she's there because she is a bitch to everyone and she never gets fired and she keeps being paid well. And everyone is just walks on eggshells around her at some point. And if they don't, if they step out of line, she just chews them the fuck out again. I love every scene ever where Prue is a bitch to someone. It's my favorite part of the show. Hard agree. I really, I really enjoy seeing her put straight white men in their place. And then she quits her job. 
Prue quits her job that day. Right. And again, it's and again, it's it's this this feminist employment fantasy. Who doesn't want to walk in, chew out their boss and then quit? We all think about that every single day. Prue actually did it. Yeah, she did. And so that it's fun to watch. It is very fun to watch because you're like, yeah, I want to do that. <laughs> I I have wanted to do that at almost every single job I've worked at, to be honest. I think about doing it every fucking day. Anyway, so in this in this scene, you know, we start to see Prue using her telekinesis powers. And in the pilot episode, her powers are off the chain. Like, how do they work? What does she have to do to use them? It doesn't make any sense. And they completely change it after the pilot so that it does not work this way at all. I mean, we're going to talk about that throughout the rest of this episode. But, like, she's moving things by making motions with her hands without even looking at them. And in about, like, the next episode, it's going to start being defined that it only works with her eyes. And then later in season one, far later, she's going to say, I've never channeled my powers through my hands before, except for all this random shit she does in the first episode with her hands while not looking at stuff. You know, so there's just really no continuity with Prue's powers here at all. So she uses her powers against Roger, her ex-BF boss, several times. The last time is a little... Mm, <laughs> when you think about it. So she, quote-unquote, accidentally tightens his tie so that he starts choking um, something that could kill him, maybe? And they play this com- this comical music over it while he's, like, choking to death and struggling to get his tie off. I just feel like that scene would read real different if it didn't have that, like, clownish carnival music going on. You are absolutely right. If that had had, like, a string quartet over the top of it or something, it would have gotten dark. Exactly. Okay, so cut to Piper. Um at her audition recipe, trying to get her new job at a restaurant that will be 100% different in the next episode. I made a note about that for the next one. Did you? I did. I was like, this is not where she was before. No, it absolutely makes no sense. Um, But whatever. Um, I think Quake works out better, and I think maybe they just didn't want to include their horrible caricature of a French character that they put in the pilot. I think, okay, so I know that, like, people just kind of make fun of the French, and it's la-di-da funny because they're white, and they haven't, like, been, like, super oppressed, like, people of color. But um, the the French chef in this scene is, it's, it's kind, it's too much. You know, it's the just, accent is a lot. It's just the too accent much. is a lot. It's yeah. too much. And he's like French and snooty and a chef. And it's just like, really, where'd you come up with that? That's so original. Yeah. Uh, but Piper, Piper is such a cool fucking power. Piper is such a cool power. She has the best power. Um, when she like freaks out because he's about to take a bite of this sauce that she didn't have time to put her wine in. And she like, freezes him and she's like what the fuck just happened um you know she she does she figures it out and she does what she needs to do and then continues on about her business but this is the coolest thing to realize that you can do ever like ever i would do this all the time pretty much non-stop yeah all the time every second of every day yeah 
And then you just like so rapidly age faster than everyone around you. But um, yes, I think that scene is kind of batshit because it's so I wonky. Feel like, it's all over the I place. I feel like most people, if they found themselves experiencing time being frozen around them, would maybe question their sanity or have a little bit of a freak out. Piper does that for about five seconds. And then she's like, oh, no, you know what? I need to use this to my advantage. I'm going to grab a turkey baster and use it to put some wine on this guy's fork so that he can eat a literal mouthful of wine and noodle and talk about how good of a chef I am. <laughs> that is batshit. I'm sorry. It's a little wild. It's There's bat no shit. There is no way that that wine would have made that taste no. good because it was not mixed with anything. It was not reduced, there was the tiniest... it was not cooked, but he's like, oh, that is very good. Just turkey based <laughs> wine right into my mouth. <laughs> she like inseminated his food right? with wine. Yeah. It was just straight up. Let me just squeeze all this on here. I mean, it was a little tiny, tiny, tiny bit of wine, but I know. But I mean, and there was nothing else on those noodles. There was like a tiny little like swath of sauce, and exactly. that was it. Yeah. No. I <laughs> yes. And just okay. Uh, and the the culinary disaster that somehow gets her hired aside, I just the way that she like immediately is like okay, obviously. I'm going to use this to my advantage. I just, I don't, that's, I mean, good for her. Quick thinking, really. I would, Absolutely. I would like to think that I am that conniving, but I don't know if I would be in the moment. I would definitely panic, but I mean, Piper's kind of already got that down. So I think she functions really well when she's yeah, she panicking. Yeah, she's like default so. panic level. That makes sense. Yeah. She's like, it's always DEFCON 1. Like, <laughs> she everything's really is. Always that's a code red. That's probably why I identify with her. I wonder how many people who watch Charmed and have anxiety identify with Piper <laughs> for that reason. Is probably that why every single I always one of identified us. with her? Oh my god. Making these revelations. Seriously. Didn't expect to have a didn't expect to have a psychological breakthrough. Um, I expect to have a psychological breakdown, so I am prepared for that. Well, we might get there. We've got some episode left. Oh yeah, I've got plenty um, of time. Okay, after Piper inseminates this guy's mouth, she goes out to call Phoebe on the phone. <laughs> On a payphone, of all things. Um, Phoebe's not home. And we learn that Phoebe is not home because she's out on a bike ride. Don't know where she went. Bitch doesn't have any money. Um, so she she's on this bike ride, and she has her first premonition. And she has this really blank look on her face as she's um, having this premonition. So I have kind of always thought that people riding bicycles look crazy and i just would like i don't know i just think people look insane when they ride bicycles like what do you do with your face and you're like hunched over and like pumping your it's just i don't know they look crazy so she already looks crazy because she's on a bicycle and then she starts having a premonition and doing that thing she does with her face which is all like, and then like, you know, like, I don't know, just like face tenses up and like mouth goes weird and she like slams her eyes closed and she's like riding a bike already. It's just insane. She looks perfectly insane is what I'm saying about this scene. She does. She looks very crazy and she's, but she's seeing these flashes of these rollerbladers that are about to get hit by a car, which she has visions of people almost getting hit by things quite often. 
she sees these people about to get hit and um then she actually sees the people about to get hit like she sees it in her psychic vision and then immediately i don't know how much foresight that really is because you saw it and then it immediately happened so yeah so like i don't know like if i saw teenagers skateboarding and i also saw a car i would just sort of think like those teenagers are annoying maybe they'll get hit by that car like does that mean i have psychic powers or am i just a bitch (laughs) i mean you are kind of just a bitch but oh well thank you sweetie so in order to rescue the teenagers phoebe is like i know i'll crash my fucking bike right into them hero of the day Dun, da, da, da. <laughs> that's exactly what she does she's like no look out let me just drop in front of you and be helpless like i've crashed a bike before and i there i in no way just laid there no <laughs> at all and do, do you know what i think honestly is that like if i started having my first psychic vision while riding a bicycle i would probably just crash my bike I for would that reason stop alone. Like, I would not just keep riding my bike. Like, if I started having flashes and seeing stuff, I would not keep going. That is, like, the ultimate reason to pull over on the side of the road. Okay, so because Phoebe, like, had a vision and wrecked her bike to save some stupid teenagers who probably shouldn't have been playing in the road, she's now at the hospital. I'm going to be mad about everything associated with her bike injury for the next several minutes, by the way. I got just really irrational rage about it. But that's not what's important right now. So because Phoebe's at the hospital, Prue shows up there to pick her up, and Andy is there because apparently the morgue doctor who is investigating one of his corpses is also having an appointment with a live patient. That's a thing that's going on, I guess. And Andy needs to see this doctor. Yeah. Did that make any sense to you? No, I actually didn't think about it. I didn't question it at all. I was just like, oh, okay. It's just like, yeah, like the Emmy just like hopped up to like, I don't know, take someone's vitals, I guess. Like, whatever. Maybe he was dealing with a dead patient. Maybe that's what they call them in the morgue. Like, this is my patient, the dead body zero. Like, I I mean, I guess I don't know. Possible, We're probably going to get a bunch but... of emails from people that know about dead bodies and be like, <laughs> actually, it makes sense, but I don't get it, but it's fine. Well, I don't think that it does make sense, future emailers. So anyway, so Prue and Andy are like, oh, my God, how are you? It's been like seven years long. And they're like, well, they know each other, basically. So the cop Andy knows Prue. They used to bang back in high school. We're establishing that previous relationship right now. And then it gets weird and creepy. Like, Andy asks about Prue's ex, and she's like, um, how did you even fucking know I was dating him, you weird stalker? Did you, like, use your police resources to, like, check up on me? And then Andy's like, yeah, that's basically what I did. And then Prue's like, that is so fucking hot. I love being, I love a good stalking. It's my favorite form of foreplay. (laughs) She's, like, so into it. She's so, get this, charmed by it. Dear God. She's like, you... You checked up on me. And then she, like, makes eyes at him. Like, oh, my God. My ex has been inappropriately using his police resources to look into my life without my knowledge. God, my vagina is throbbing. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. I I just, I have issues with, I don't have issues with the Andy Prue relationship. I do have issues with how blatantly heterosexual it is. <laughs> 
God, blatant heterosexuality. Like, you know, it's just not, it's not appropriate for kids. And it's not what I want to see when I turn on the TV. No, like, ooh, a mid nineties rom-com story. (laughs) How fucking groundbreaking is that? Love it. (laughs) And really, I, I think that, I don't know if Charmed made it a trope or if it was a trope before, but kind of like the I'm dating a cop and I have to keep my double life a secret from him romance tension. That's kind of, it's just been done a lot. Yeah, it really has. But I feel like this was definitely the first place maybe, I saw it. Maybe, maybe it was more innovative back in 1998. I mean, a lot of stuff was more innovative back in 1998. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Um, so Prue, after, after the hospital, after we leave the hospital, Prue and Phoebe are having drinks together while, I assume while they're waiting for Phoebe's prescription to get finished because immediately after we're at a pharmacy and. Yeah. Okay. All right. You know how I said I was going to be filled with irrational rage. So she's about to go pick up a prescription. So she's at the bar doing shots. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, she's supposed to be, like, 21, so I guess she doesn't fucking care. I Right, I get that. I get that. But I w- just, just, just remember my rage right now, and I'll finish the thought when we get to the pharmacy. Okay, where I will be Perfect. mad again. Now tell me about the fucking cream. <laughs> the fucking cream. So Prue is like, I'm not a witch. I don't have special powers, contrary to what's been happening all fucking day. And then she's like, now where's the cream? And boom, this little, I don't know what it's called, but this little cup of cream slides across the counter. And then the cream miraculously teleports from the little cup of cream into her fucking tea, iced coffee. What is she drinking? I have no idea. But anyway, the cream teleports. She looks at the cream and it teleports and it bubbles. Bubble, bubble, toil and trouble. And so, it's so random. Like, and I don't even, I just, I don't, I don't, I just don't. I don't, I don't know what else they should have done with it exactly because I feel like if the cream had like lifted out of the one pitcher and gone into her cup that that would have been also really fucking weird and awkward. I think, but like, for a she, practical effect, it looks nice, but it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. It did It did look really good. It was a cool effect. Don't get me wrong. It was a great effect, but no. it didn't make any fucking Mm-mm. sense. Not at all. And it never happens again, listeners. Never, it happens, never again. happens again. Then they immediately, they go outside. So, like, it cuts from that. Um, and Prue's like, oh, my God, you turned me into a witch. And Phoebe's like, no, you were born a witch. And she's like... Phoebe's, like, real chill about this whole thing. She's excited. She's into it. Relatable content, Phoebe. I was very into it when I first discovered that I was a witch, too. But they go outside and they have this conversation uh, about good witches and bad witches, a.k.a. warlocks in the Charm universe. And I, I don't know about you, Siren, but I think that I have some feelings about the word warlock. Do you have feelings about the word warlock? I do, and they might not be the same as yours. Well, you, you've you heard me talk about warlock before. I made a whole video on it, and not that I'm plugging myself in the middle of the episode. But if you're curious about the word warlock, you can watch my video on YouTube <laughs> 
called Men Can Be Witches Too by Millennial Incantations. It's very good. It's a great video. I loved that one. I watched it several times. But anyway, now that I'm done plugging myself, basically, I think that I don't I don't care for the good versus evil dichotomy of witch and warlock. And I don't care for the female versus male dichotomy of witch versus warlock. Basically, call yourself whatever the hell you want, regardless of your, I don't know, your moral alignment or whatever, or regardless of your gender. I just, I feel like having those words like applied non-consensually is stupid. Yeah, I fully agree. Um, I prefer which it's more comfy, but it's awesome. I think if a male witch wants to call themselves a warlock, then that's fine. I think if anyone wants to call themselves a warlock, that's fine. That was what I was going to follow up with. If anyone wants to call themselves a warlock, that is absolutely okay. I have toyed with the term sorcerer in the past because I work with what I call source energy. That's what I refer to as like God and magic and the universe. It's all source. Um, And I thought that that might be appropriate, but it's a little out of left field in the community so i just stick with witch because it's easier i think it's fucking rad but it's also kind of final fantasy D, but i still think it's fucking rad because i think those things are fucking rad too i do want to say i do want to add i have a I, an acquaintance we don't know each other well enough to be friends but i have an acquaintance on facebook his name is storm fairy wolf and he's also a yes. published author and he wrote a um wonderful piece on Patheos about why he chooses to call himself a warlock. It's very good. Um, I'd also recommend that to anybody who wants to get, you know, a broader perspective on the word warlock. It's called The Rise of the Warlock. It's by Storm Fairy Wolf. It takes you about five minutes to read, and it's on the Patheos Pagan blog. Um, and he just did a really good job of explaining why it was an empowering word for him and why words don't necessarily have to be tied to their origins, why they don't have to mean the same thing forever. And he even uses the fact that, like, witch had a really, really bad connotation, still kind of does, that we're still in the process of reclaiming. So why are we okay with witch and not okay with warlock? Be- I think because of the misconceptions around it, being that warlock means oathbreaker, which is not true. Well, it it's, it's kind of true, actually. It, it, it does, but it doesn't have to. I had read somewhere that... Um, the term warlock being attached to male witches could have stemmed from them breaking an oath to the Catholic Church and consorting with witches. That is correct. So when when warlock means oathbreaker, it means that you broke your alleged oath to the Catholic Church by not doing whatever the fuck they wanted by going out and practicing witchcraft. It doesn't mean that you broke your oath to your coven. Yes, exactly. So, yeah, there is a sense... It is true, but not true in the way that people automatically associate. And I think as much as I love Charmed, I feel like it's kind of Charmed's fault, too, that there's such a negative idea of the word. They definitely, they definitely cap, like spread the, um, well, actually, they're sort of guilty of making Warlock both a negative term and an exclusively male term, because almost all the Warlocks they fight for a long time are men. Mm, yeah. That's true. There are barely ever any female warlocks, and I don't think any of the female warlocks have, like, big speaking parts, so... All right, so uh, the next scene is kind of a filler scene. It's just Piper and Jeremy in a 90s Uber. 
Did you think that was so weird? Um, also, they call those taxis. I Honey. know. <laughs> Do you have any thoughts about this scene? Because it's kind of a throwaway. So I didn't take any notes about this scene, but I just thought that it was really weird. <laughs> like, I don't know. It was just weird. I don't even know what yeah. else to say about Like, what did they even talk about? I just watched it and I can't tell you. Um, She, Piper asked Jeremy if anything weird or unexplainable oh, has happened. Oh, that's right. Because she literally just stopped time. Because she literally and... just froze time. Yeah. Um, and they're eating their Chinese food in the back of a cab? I know. I would totally charge them extra. That's nasty. That's rude. They are um, nasty people. Also, what kind of date is that? Piper, why have you been dating him for six months if the nicest date he takes you on is Chinese takeout in the back of a taxi? Oh. I mean, why has she been dating him for six months when he looks like that? Right, and he said he was taking her out to celebrate. To celebrate getting her job. That's a celebration. Cool. And you didn't realize he was evil? Yeah. Um, so the next scene is the pharmacy. My biggest question about this scene is why does the pharmacy have tea? Okay. Well, I can get that a little bit because, you know, like, it it didn't seem like a chain pharmacy, really. But, you know, like, places like CVS and stuff, they started selling other things to get people to go in. So I guess yeah. the pharmacy can have tea, especially if they're a homeopathic pharmacy like Phoebe really wants them to be. My question is, why the fuck are they at the pharmacy at all? They're there to pick up Phoebe's prescription, which I guess because she got in a bike accident and went to the hospital. Okay, the bitch is not in a cast. The bitch is not using crutches. The bitch is walking fine. She is not acting like she has any pain. Exactly what the fuck pharmacy, what the fuck, what the fuck pills does she need? And how do I get into an accident where I am left unscathed, but I still get pills? Maybe she has like a minor sprain and that's why, but... I get what you mean. She's, she's fine. She's not acting hurt at all. She is fine. I think, I don't know, this scene serves a purpose in Prue's power being um, random so, um, again. This scene is interesting because I recently saw it replicated in something that was made very recently. So I do want to talk about that. So Netflix um, recently produced this show called I Am Not Okay With This. And it's based on a graphic novel. So it's possible that the writer or illustrator of the graphic novel got this idea from Charmed. I don't know. But anyway, so the main character in I Am Not Okay With This is a girl discovering she has telekinesis. And she has a freak out in a convenience store and everything flies off the shelf. Exactly like in that scene. So I wanted to bring that up just because I feel like that's a minor little cultural impact that Charmed had that we now that I'm now seeing repeat itself. So Prue wants her aspirin and she's looking for it and she's flipping out. And Phoebe realizes that when Prue is angry, that's when she makes things move with her mind. Um, the whole your powers are tied to your emotions thing is something that's repeated through the entirety of the show. And I actually feel like and that's actually kind of a relatable, accurate point of witchcraft, at least as I understand it. You know, like, what do you think about that? Um, I think I do my best to not enter spell work or ritual or divination when I'm in anything less than a neutral mind state. Um, because I feel that if you're experiencing a negative emotion 
or experiencing a positive emotion too intensely, it's going to cloud your judgment of what's coming through and what's happening for you. Um, so I definitely think in a sense, our emotions are tied to our ability to perform magic for sure. So I actually kind of feel differently and I'm probably about Ooh. to make a bunch of Wiccans cringe and I don't care. So um, I agree that you should try to be as neutral as possible when entering in a divination, especially if it's for yourself. Um, because you're just going to read it however the fuck you're feeling. But I, I channel my negative emotions into my spells. I always have. I let, I let anger and fear and stuff like that, I let it empower me. I channel it into something else I want to happen. So the idea of going into a spell in a neutral place is completely foreign to me and probably not something that I would ever do. And in case you're wondering, listeners, yes, I am an Aries. I think for me, wanting to go into a spell from a more neutral state of mind isn't necessarily that I feel negative emotions aren't useful or impactful. I feel like it, it steers me, it just steers me in that one direction. And I want to go with the flow of it a little bit more, but I understand what you're saying as well. Mm -hmm. See, for, for me, I think it kind of serves a dual purpose, especially as, I mean, so we're both kind of men or whatever. I know there's probably a little bit of trappings within both of us of that idea that like men aren't supposed to have feelings. They're supposed to hold their feelings in. And that's also sort of an American thing where just emotions are not appropriate in most spaces for anyone and they will get you ridiculed and people will think you're unprofessional and blah. So um, I just don't really feel <laughs> comfortable expressing negative emotions to people a lot unless it's me telling them that I am angry at them and describing in excruciating detail why. So when I'm doing a spell and I am channeling these kinds of emotions into it, I'm actually giving them an outlet. I'm actually expressing them in a way that's healthy and private and comfortable for me. And so I get that off my chest and then I put them into a spell to try to make the situation better. And that helps it get off of my mind. So it's actually my entire witchcraft practice is sort of a blend of like magic and psychology and therapy anyway. So I guess I just described everything that I do. I, th I think that that's perfectly valid. Obviously, I think that's a wonderful way to process your feelings and yeah, that's a, a perfectly valid practice, and I understand where you're coming from for sure. Okay, so we totally went off on a tangent, but I think it was I think it was a beautiful tangent. We did. We did kind of get off track there. It was important too. I think it was important to to talk about that. So anyway, so that's what we're discovering in the pharmacy. Back on track is that Prue moves things with her mind when she's angry. Phoebe says something that pisses her off, and the aspirin flies off the shelf and into her hand. And then Phoebe's like, oh. I know I am going to piss you off even more for fun. So she brings up Roger, the boss ex-boyfriend thing. And, you know, they really get to the heart of the issue there, which is that Prue thinks Phoebe was slutting around with her boyfriend. And apparently she wasn't, which, um, okay, we'll take your word for it, Phoebes. whatever you say. So they kind of get that off their chest. And when Phoebe talks about that, a bunch more aspirin flies off the shelf. And then Phoebe's like, I know, let's explore your daddy issues. Whoa. So they get into all this absent father abandonment stuff. Can you imagine? Can you imagine a world with a TV show where strong women have daddy issues? I just, it's mind boggling. 
Um, oh my god, groundbreaking. I, I, wow, like, how did you come up with that? So, Phoebe just lays out all Prue's daddy issues, and then everything in the aisle flies off the shelf all over the ground. Now, looking at that from the perspective of someone who works in retail. Oh my god, yeah, I was going to say the same thing. I'd be so pissed. I'd be so pissed. And do you think Prue and Phoebe helped pick all that up? No. No. Of course they didn't. Ugh. If when, when I was working at a store of that caliber, uh, I don't want to say what company I worked for because they're powerful and I don't want to get murdered. Oh my God. If I had had to like deal with that, I would have just quit. I would have quit right there. I mean, I quit anyway, but you know, that would have just been the last straw. If I had to clean up all of that mess. And, you know, I see customers do shit like that when they're not even, like, going through, like, a psychological breakdown and discovering they just have telekinesis. I see them do it with their hands. And then they're just like, well, I'd better walk away. Customers are dicks. Um, So, in the next scene, we are with Piper and Jeremy. And Jeremy wants her to go into this big abandoned building. And this is just... I mean, I know they've been together for six months, but this is a poor choice on Piper's part. A little bit. N- n- always be wary if he's trying to take you to a secondary location. <laughs> right. Piper did not learn about secondary locations. <laughs> she really did. Like, not safe. And then we realize, oh, really not safe because Jeremy's a warlock. Surprise, surprise. Surprise. Wait, 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 wait. One of the characters we've already seen is the killer. What? What a twist. What a twist. And it's the only one that wasn't in the opening credits. <laughs> what? I am, I am both shocked and disturbed. This power is not intimidating. This thing that he does with his I fingers. I could do that with a lighter. He's he's not scary. He's a misogynistic game of flame I with a cheese knife. Like, it's, ah, shit. It's not, that's not frightening. I know. The scariest part is that he has a knife. Piper, I'm here to kill you. And also my fingers double as birthday candles. <laughs> yeah, no. And so, so Piper freezes Jeremy just in the nick of time. She's like, oh fuck, this thing happens again. Better think fast. And she tries to like climb out of this elevator and oh, we get a jump scare. What a shock. He unfroze. Um, oh my God. And so she clonks him over the head and then we, she gets up and runs away and we cut to the next scene. I, I do have to say, I, I do enjoy um, women hitting abusive men with large pieces of wood. I, I don't know. There's just something. That's very fitting. Very fitting. Um, and, and I just want everyone out there to know, um, especially if you are an attractive uh, male type, that if, if you take me into an abandoned building as part of a date... I will fuck you in that creepy elevator. <laughs> I will. I mean, I guess as long as you don't pull I a mean, knife on me. This particular Maybe. situation did not work out that pleasantly for Piper. If this were something that she would do with maybe a future partner, I'd be okay with it. I wouldn't find an issue. Go on an adventure. But this guy, not the right person to do that with. I would do and like okay so my my um my my spouse that I'm currently married to um if if we were in that situation and they pulled out a knife um which I really I think that they are just uh very attractive when holding weapons then yeah it would go down okay 
That's all I'm saying. I'm not here to yuck your yum, Siren. I do your thing. Um, but anyway, we we move to the manor after this scene. I don't think Piper is appropriately like frightened when she gets home. She is just sort of like a little more like stressed. But you know, you did say like panic is her just default mode. True. So she's probably like, and especially like with everything that happens to her in the future, she's probably just like, yeah, it figures. This is how all my relationships go, you know? <laughs> yeah, she she's like, I've prepared my whole life to be this panicked and afraid, and now I, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is a big mood. <laughs> yes. Um, they, they talk about, they're kind of like roaming around the house, and Prue's like, we need to call the cops. And Piper's like, and do what? What are they going to do? Which is a fair point. That also, that's basically a fantasy trope at this point. Let's call the cops. The cops can't deal with this. I, that's just... It is. It is. I think every sort of fantasy drama TV show does that. But lo and behold, it's okay because Phoebe's got the answer. Um, so we go upstairs to do this ritual siren. Let's, let's talk about the, the spell that they do. Hello and welcome to the first ever segment of Misspelled, the part of the show where Siren and I discuss the spells and rituals performed in Charmed and how we would perform them as real witches and what their real life results might look like. Let's talk about how we would do something like this. Because essentially what they're doing in, in the way that Piper talks, obviously it's meant to kill Jeremy, but um, it's essentially kind of like a binding spell. And also sort of a, it's like a banishing spell, really. So I think, um, I think the spell has a lot of realistic elements and it just looks really fucking cool. Like, um, the, I don't know any witch out there who doesn't love a smoking cauldron. I just, um, they have a poppet of Jeremy, a doll of him, basically. Um, and Piper takes a rose, a symbol of love, but uses the thorn to stab him with it. And she states her intent pretty clearly she says, may your love wither and depart from my heart. May you go away and leave me alone forever. So she's basically saying, I don't want to have feelings for you anymore. I want you done, gone. Um, I don't think there was really anything wrong with the spell that she used. Um, it's possible, honestly, that the, that the way I do rituals like this was inspired by this show. But I have done very similar things. We have this really cool antique burning dish. That's not a cauldron, but it's pretty close. And I have put things in it with herbs and set them on fire. And that may or may not include a poppet of someone. So I think this. Um, I think this spell actually pretty well checks out. I really do. Um, I don't think that it's um nearly um good enough to like kill someone if that's your intention. But if your intention was to get rid of a lover you don't want anymore and stop having feelings for them, then yeah, I'd say it checks out. I, I would agree that the spell, for the most part, as it's performed, is, you know, it would work. To, to do what it seems like the desired result would be in real life to get rid of a lover, I think it would work. My biggest note, and I say this a lot when I watch fantasy witchcraft, is too many candles. Why do you need the nine candles? Why do you need the nine candles? The most that you are, the most that you ever need tops four. Like. Oh, honey. 
I couldn't disagree more. Really? I mean, well, okay, so I don't I don't think you need precisely nine candles. I don't think you ever need precisely any number of candles, unless you're really into numerology, which I am not, because it's like taking something fun like magic and adding something horrible to it, like math. But um, <laughs> sometimes um, we'll just, like, put candles all over the altar room and turn the lights off. It's lovely. And it smells good. It's such a fire hazard. It's such a fire hazard. And that's like my biggest thing. If it's your aesthetic, cool. But like, be careful. If if this is what you're modeling your practice sort of from, which I mean, you and I have both copped that we definitely have adapted charmed rituals into our own practice. Be careful. Don't set them on the floor all around you and not pay attention to what you're doing. Like... So I guess what Tyler's trying to say is that if you're the kind of person who regularly spills red Mountain Dew on the carpet, limit yourself to four candles. Yes, that's exactly what I'm trying to say. I am a fairly long-winded person, so I, that's, that's, <laughs> that is what I was trying to say. Um, I, well, I just can't relate to that at all. I barely ever speak. I do not talk too much. So I personally you. don't use poppets very often, that's a skill that is a little bit outside my wheelhouse craft wise. So, and, and I've never like bought one specifically for a purpose and I wouldn't want to destroy one that I have purchased. So if it were me doing this particular spell, I would keep most of the elements the same, but I would use like a photograph or a piece of paper with their name on it. So poppets are totally in my wheelhouse. Um, I like to hand sew. I'm not super good at it, but I can make some stuff. Um, so every time I use a poppet, I hand sew it myself and I stuff it with, um, you know, fiber stuffing as well as anything related to the person that I can get my hands on that the poppet is for. Um, and we'll usually do this for binding spells and we'll tie them up with cord. And when the spell is done, we have this antique birdcage that sits on top of our um, herb cupboard and we will throw the poppets in there. And we call it Azkaban. <laughs> and they will stay there forever. <laughs> this is a thing that exists in my house. Misspelled. So, Jeremy shows up at the manor. And the voice effect that is on him is bad. It's so bad. It's, I couldn't even take him seriously. Okay. They do two things. They do the voice thing, but like they also at the point at that one point, they do like this like warpy face thing. Oh my God. It's bad. It's yeah. So the face and the voice. Bad. So the warpy face thing and the like, I don't like demonic synth keyboard filter. I don't know that they put on him. It's so bad. I couldn't even take him seriously. I no, like, it was not scary. It was not scary. I know that your hands are birthday candles and you're holding a knife and you've been infiltrating my life for the past six months, but I just can't take you seriously right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to need you to, um, you know, just take that Snapchat filter off your throat for a second and <laughs> like talk like a normal person, please. Could you possibly just act like a normal serial killer for five seconds, please? Oh, yeah. So we have this with this whole exchange. He's like, you'll never stop me, blah, blah, blah. I'm a scary villain. And then Prue's like, 
Oh, hey. Come on, we'll fake them together. Do you remember the spare board? The inscription on the back. The power of three will set us free. <laughs> Come on, we've got to stay together. The power of three will set us free. The power of three will set us free. The power of three will set us free. The really, the demon exposition in this show just gets a little ridiculous. And it's almost always why they lose. You know, like in the elevator, Jeremy explains to Piper his entire plan. And that's why she has time to think about, you know, freezing him and stuff and then get away. And then he shows up at the manor and he's like, hey, girls, would you like it if I just fucking talked to you some more while you think up a way to defeat me? And they do that all the time. And that's very nice of them. I guess, you know, demons being egotistical is just really their Achilles heel. But, like, like just shut up and kill them every now and then, you know? like. Uh-huh. But anyway, they, they bond as sisters. And Jeremy explodes in a very Adobe After Effects looking way. <laughs> um, and... Then we fade into the next day. I actually, okay, so as as a little bit cheesy as that um, was, I do like it because, you know, not everything about witchcraft and magic should be like straight out of a book. They're in a crisis and they solve it with togetherness and instincts. And I think that's very witchcraft. Yes. You know? Um... Okay, so we fade into the next day. Prue goes out to get the paper, right? Um, and then... And her stalker ex-boyfriend. Yeah, Andy shows up. We get some more hetero flirting. Boring, boring, boring. Um, and then her sisters come out, and they sort of have this exchange um, about what they're going to do now, and if witches can date, and absolutely witches can date. Why do you think love spells are a thing? Like... Yeah, duh. Sort of... God, read a book, Prue. Yeah, like, crack a fucking book sometime. Um, and obviously they start to do that a lot. They crack the book every day. Um, but, yeah, so we get we get this moment, and then they, you know, they realize that their lives are going to be different forever, which, accurate, when you become a witch, it really does change your life. For the better. For the better. 100% for the better. And then we get that super cool, iconic moment where Prue closes the door with her telekinesis. I love the telekinetic door closing thing. I love how it happens at the end of like every season. I, I really do. I think it's super. It is. It's a very cute thing that they do. I really, I really Mm -hmm. love it. Um, and I honestly love that they repeated it in the new charmed. I think it's great. Yeah. It's so cute. Do you have any final thoughts on this episode, Siren? Do you have anything else to say? I do actually. Um, and this is, I mean, it's more about the show overall, but it's what, what becomes obvious when you watch the pilot episode. So this was, this is a fantasy show made in the nineties. It started as a pilot with a low budget, obviously, you know, borrowing directors from Buffy the Vampire Slayer and whatnot. Uh, I think they basically spent their whole budget on the set and the three main actresses, but it was worth it because through all the cheese and bad effects and moments of bad writing, 
I feel like the actresses of this show are so good that they carry it through and they carry it past all of its shortcomings. I feel like they're the reason that we really love it. I should say four actresses. Shannon Doherty, Holly Marie Combs, Alyssa Milano, and Rose McGowan are all fantastic actresses, each in their own ways. I think Holly Marie Combs is super underrated. I think she was amazing and charmed. I think she deserves 500 Emmys for that show. Is Emmys for TV? I yes, don't Emmys is for TV. And I think that she was also the best part of Pretty Little Liars. I'm just going to say it. She was the best part. Yeah. I concur. I think that the actresses do a great job. Um, and I definitely feel as though this pilot overall as a first episode of a show, it's very good. It's very good. Um, yeah. just looking at it through a modern lens and from a witchcraft lens, I can see where it could be better, but the actresses do a great job of pulling it through. I agree. Um, yeah. So that ends our first analysis of witchcraft media. Yay, we did it. Siren, where can the people find you? Oh, hi. Okay, so um, I'm Siren Rex Neenan, and you can follow me on Facebook, Siren Spectacular, non-binary meme witch, or on Twitter, Siren Spectacular. You can also look up my YouTube channel I do with my coven. It's called Millennial Incantations. I am Tyler Carson Evans. You can find me on Instagram at Tyler Carson Evans. That's the main form of social media I use. Uh, you can check out my Instagram page for updates as of right now. Keep an eye out on all social media platforms for Witch Bitches Review coming soon. If you have any questions or something you'd like us to talk about, feel free to send us an email at witchbereview at gmail.com. Until next time, remember to ask yourself. Are you a good witch or a bad witch? <laughs>